1. Praise the Lord. Right. So let's turn our Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. Ephesians 1 18. Ephesians 1 18. Amen. Are we there? Ephesians 1 18. The Bible reads, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of the, of the what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints to make a complete statement of that let's go to verse 15 so verse 18 is where we're going to start up from today uh, verse 15 is the beginning of this statement of this prayer for the Ephesian church. Apostle Paul, praying for the Ephesian church, says, or said, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards, toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Which he walked in Christ, which he walked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. I'm trusting God today for a miracle to cover all this, these five verses today because I want to get into talk. I want, I want to talk about something that God wants me to talk about next week, uh, which I was talking about earlier on self pity. And also, uh, I want to prepare the church family for the end of the year and for the new year, looking at our purpose. How's the year been? You guys, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm called to build people, build lives. Right? I'm not called to just teach the word of God, but to teach it in a, such a way that you guys can use. At the same time, as a pastor, I'm very, I'm very concerned, not in a negative, negative sense, about your welfare, about your well-doing. Praise the Lord. Let's get into this. So well, we, last, week, last week, we covered verse 17, and uh, we looked at it from the point of the mind, right? the mental disposition that God wants you to have a mental disposition. It, <clears throat> Uh, and that is the spirit, the spirit of wisdom, and, um, and and to also uncover the depth of the knowledge of Him, right? So God wants you to have, wants your mental disposition, your mind, to be to have a depth of revelation of Him, to know Him accurately. So that's one of the prayers that Paul said for the Ephesian church, and this, the the prayer point next to it is verse 18 it says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints i kind of like how the new living translation reads this praise the lord new living translation let's go there of ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope 
he has given to those he called, I think, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I repeat, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his riches and glorious inheritance. Praise the Lord. Now, so let's take it one piece at a time. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, what does that mean? Understand the Greek word for understanding there is Dionio. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm going to spell it for you. D-I-A, D-I-A, N-O-I-A. Is it Dionio? And this is what happens when you don't go on Google to check to to do uh, to check your pronunciation, <laughs> right? But it is translated deep thought or imagination. Deep thought or imagination. I like the part of the imagination, and I want to kind of really amplify that part this morning. Praise the Lord. So. What is imagination? Imagination is a faculty or action of forming new ideas. According to Oxford Dictionary, the faculty or action of forming new ideas. Images are concepts of external objects not present to the senses. Let's do, let's do this again. The faculty or action of forming new ideas, right? Or images and concepts. So is that you're forming new ideas? Or you are creating images or concepts of external objects, things that are not fit, are not present with you, things outside of you. So people can imagine that they can get up. Just giving you an example. You may not have a fast car at the moment, but you can imagine yourself having a fast car. Right? You may not be living in a five-bed mansion at the moment. I don't know if there's such thing as a five-bed mansion, right? Because well, when we think about mansion, now we're thinking about eight bedrooms. You may, you may not be living in the eight-bed mansion, but you can imagine yourself living in an eight-bed mansion. So whatever is not present to you, that ability to imagine, that ability to think, that ability to form a, 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 an image or create a concept is what we call imagination. I like how Miriam, Miriam Webster defines it. The act or power of forming a mental image. Forming a, forming a mental image of something not present to the senses or never before. So it is possible for you to imagine something that never existed. Some buildings we have in the world today, some skyscrapers never existed anyway. Someone imagined it. Someone, someone thought it to be somebody thought it was possible to build such buildings magnificent building and so they engaged their imagination acted on it one step at a time until the building was erected so it means that something that never existed before can be imagined and brought into reality there's some kind of evil that has never existed that people have never thought of and some people are actually scheming right now Likewise, there are some good works that, that has never existed before. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Someone has never seen before that people are imagining to be in right now. Most of the time, we, we, before we came, before I started Simon in that family catch-up, I mean a church family catch-up, you know, I was talking about purpose. We we're talking about purpose, right? And the thing is that 
most of the time, when the Lord speaks to the heart of a person on what to do, by default, a lot of people tend to look around to find someone who has done it before. And if they, don't, if they cannot find someone who's done it before, they don't make an effort. That's not right. The Bible says that you are, uni- you are unique. You are a unique being. Your fingerprint, nobody else in the world has your fingerprint. So it, te- it tells us that the mark God wants you to leave on earth right, is so unique that nobody else in the world will have such a print or a mark or an impact. So your impact on the world is unique to your calling, to your purpose, your relationship with God. We should try as much as possible to avoid this group thinking and mass production thinking. Thinking we are part of the masses. One of the things I'm going to be discussing with uh, young people when we get into that phase of ministry is these tribes that they join. So Gen Z today seem to like to join a tribe. And when I say a tribe, we're looking at um, a group of people which, which share certain ideas, uh, certain ideals, certain behaviors, way of life, and see life in a particular way. So I'm trusting God to be able to start dealing with these things helping young people to identify the right tribe to join. And we also really need to really deal with it from the point that you should not find your identity in a tribe. Rather, you should discover your identity in Christ Jesus and take your uniqueness to a tribe. Standing as light and to be able to influence a tribe for Christ as opposed to trying to blend into a group think to find your identity. We get it. Amen. So when God tells you something. Sometimes someone may have done similar thing, right? And you may be able to learn from them. But when God shows you something, tells you something, instead of dismissing it because it has never been done based on your own exposure, why don't you spend more time praying, reading books, you know, talking to people, trust to find, just open your heart to be open-minded to God, to fill you with ideas and inspiration to bring that thing to pass, as opposed to outrightly shutting it down because you have not seen someone else do, done, the, done it before. Amen? So, now, how does imagination, how, how does it connect to what we're talking about today? Watch this. It said, verse 18 of Ephesians 1 again. It said, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. The eyes of your understanding, your imagination, deep thoughts, the eyes of your heart being enlightened, that is flooded with light. This is how I interpret it. Talking about the hope of God's calling. When we talk about his calling, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about the fact that he called us to be his own. He chose us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of, his, of the world to be his own. One, that is the redemption that started now. Ephesians 1.7 tells us that in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, right? If I got it right. But the Bible talks about hope. And when we talk about hope, we are talking about something in the future, right? So hope is a feeling. Come on, tell me I have not lost it. Uh, let me try to put it up again. Now, hope, let me see if I can get one. Yeah, just bear with me. The enemy is a liar. Uh, let me, oh, sorry. That's, this one is hoping. 
I'll open it, but it seems like I lost it. Please give me what I want. Fine, I got it. Now, a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. Hope is defined as a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. So let, let's put it together. The eyes of your understanding, your heart, deep thoughts, imagination, that your imagination be flooded with light that you may know what is the hope of your calling. What is the future of your calling? What is the future, what God has in store for you concerning your, your, your redemptive right or your, your, you being his child, put it that way. It might be a bit confusing there. It may sound a bit confusing there, but it's not. It's telling us that there's something greater that the believer should be looking forward to. So let me put it together. The Bible is simply, is simply saying to, this to you. How you think, your imagination, the pictures you form in your mind, the deep thoughts you think, should be focused on the hope, the hope that God has in store for you. What is that hope? Let's go to verse 14. Watch this. He said, Who is the guarantee of an, our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? Who is the guarantee of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession? There is a redemption to come. Our complete redemption. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us whereby immortality will swallow up mortality. The time that Jesus, the time Jesus will appear and will have a glorified body. The time that the Bible tells us that God is going to make everything in heaven and on earth come under the lordship of Jesus. The Bible is telling us about a future that we should set our hope on because it will give you joy. Right? The Bible says that we do not mourn like the people of the world mourn who have no hope, who have no future. So because the, the believers were being persecuted, some people were, were, were being killed, and um, believe people were very, very sorrowful about the death of other people and things like that. And Paul said, no, don't do that. Don't sorrow like the people of the world, like people who have no hope. We know that we are sojourners on earth. We know we have a glorious future in Christ Jesus. And anyone who sets their mind and their heart on that glorious future will not be dejected or their life shattered because their believer or their, somebody they know died. No, we have a future. And that's why when someone dies, to a very much extent, they, according to Apostle Paul, it's something, to, it's something worth rejoicing about that they made it as opposed to you losing your mind, your health, your life because someone died. It can be very difficult and very, very difficult, especially when people lose their child or they lose their spouse. It's, uh, it's uh, somebody you live with, you, you guys and do stuff together, especially people who have good marriage relationship and even people who don't have good marriage relationship. We're human beings, but Paul is saying that, come, don't allow that to, don't, don't allow that to ruin your life because we will see again, we'll meet again. And believers should set their hope on that. So as opposed to engaging our imagination with what would happen to me, what would my life look like, what will I become because that person has gone, we imagine, say, Father, we thank you because on this day when I meet this person again, it's a glorious future. This person's made it and stuff like that. 
Amen. So understanding the hope of our calling, understanding the day of, I mean, putting setting our imagination, our focus on how beautiful that glorious day will be. That day of complete redemption, when our redemption is complete in Christ Jesus. I believe I'm making spiritual sense. Praise the Lord. So the believer, should, we should have our hope set on our future in Christ Jesus. Our mind should not be our imagination should not be hijacked with evil and all manner of lust and destruction that comes in from movies and movies we watch and the music we listen to, the company we keep. The Bible is telling us the right way to use our imagination. And if we allow our imagination to be, if we allow our imagination to be flooded with light to this extent, it affects every other thing we do in life and how we deal with situations in life. Amen. Trust me, this is a very high-level summary, and that's because of what we're going to be talking about next week. Amen. So, uh, I'll take it again. So, the highs of your understanding being enlightened, the highs of your heart being enlightened, your imagination being enlightened, flooded with light, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. God wants us to really know, to know what the hope of his calling is. Not our calling, not your purpose. This was usually taught back in the day when I was growing up in church as your, your own calling. No, it's his own calling. He has called you and I to be his chosen people, his children. The Bible says, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? We are God's inheritance. You know, the splendor of being God's own, the joy of being God's child, the joy of being, God, of being called God's possession. Don't forget how verse 14 reads it. Read it. Um, let's go back there. Verse 14 he said, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession? We are God's purchased possession, its own inheritance, purchased with his blood. God wants us to engage our imagination to understand, to see how beautiful it is, the splendor of what it means to be redeemed. Friends, when a Christian really understands that they were redeemed by the blood of Jesus and they are God's possession, purchased possession, our girls will not be on streets, um, how do I put it? Stripping themselves to get attention from a boy. You won't do that. When you, when you understand the value, when you understand the glory and the beauty of the Lord, when you come into this depth of understanding, of relationship, of, of beauty, of relationship with the Father and what God has done for you in Christ Jesus, no, you will not do dumb and stupid things to secure the attention or get the attention of people who want to exploit you. Every believer who is still living, who is living their life to get the affection of human beings have not kind of scratch, scratch the surface of understanding the riches of his inheritance in the saint. It, they haven't. Likewise, you and I as adults, if we are still vying and fighting for the attention of our parent as adults, we have not started the journey. When we are babies, kids, fair enough, right? But no parent, parents will be, able, will, will be able to show you affection because we are all broken. And you don't know what they got. So if you are a teenager, well, I, I got to be cautious with that. I think I should skip that one because I will have to explain that I don't have much time. Amen. But if as an adult, you are 18, you are 20, and you are living, you are fighting, you are cranky, you are grumpy, you are a mess, 
because your parents are not giving you the kind of attention you want, you are looking in the wrong direction. You have not started scratching the surface of life. You have not even started living at all. Amen. The glory of the riches of his inheritance in the saints. Praise the Lord. You are God's inheritance. You are God's purchased possession. You belong to God. There's a lot that goes into it. I might teach it in future, more about it in future, but that's what that verse means. Let's carry on. Now, so uh, Paul said, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint, and what? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? So Paul was praying for that our eyes of understanding, our imagination will have deep thought, revelation, deep revelation for three things. The hope of his calling and that we are God's inheritance, we are God's children, his purchased possession, and that we may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us, towards us who believe. Amen. Now, now, when he says towards us who believe, he says uh, for our benefit. Right? What is the exceeding greatness of God's power for our own benefit, our own good? Not for the good of a selected few who are, in, who are the clergy. No. God's power. And what kind of power are we looking at here? Now, the, verse 20. Which he walked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, the power and the, the power that God demonstrated to raise Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in you and in me. And Paul is saying that he, he prays that your heart, your imagination would be engaged, occupied in seeing what is the benefit of this power for you. You know, you can imagine yourself raising the dead, raising people from the dead. You can, because of this power at work in you, you can imagine yourself praying for yourself and receiving healing because of this power at work inside of you. Don't forget that imagination is about forming mental pictures, you know, creating ideas, you know, um, I'm, I'm rushing down. Creating ideas, let me go back to that definition. Okay, now you got to pray for me because I'm in a hurry. Yeah, concepts. Image, ideas, images, and concept of external objects. Something that is not even yet existing at all. But according to the word of God, you even have a reference point. You have it in the word of God. Paul is saying that he prays that your, your imagination will be able to conceive the possibility of God's power for you. For your own benefit. Raise the dead. You can pray in tongues. Amen. You can, you can walk in the full reality of the blessings of God. It's available to you. It's available to all of us. Praise the Lord. I think I'm doing well. That's 23 minutes. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Praise God. So Now, let me read out a few things I have in my notes. Some people get glimpses of God's power, but very few have the revelation that it is for us and at our disposal. The power of God, the resurrection power of God is what is available for you. Amen. And it's at your disposal. You can use it. You can walk in it. I want to challenge you to begin to see yourself as a powerful being because the life of God is on the inside of you. You are not a weak and a helpless being. You are not a weak, helpless, useless, tired irrelevant being you are not and that's why paul is saying that this is a prayer guys you got to pray these prayers 
Amen. I'll, I'll create time for us to pray. In our what's, uh, prayer meeting this Friday, I think we're going to go through the, uh, the prayer points in Ephesians and we're just going to pray for those two hours. Amen. We want to pray this prayer for us to see. You know, when you, re- when you realize that the life of God is at work in you and that the resurrection power, do you understand? No, no, no. Do, do, do you not understand the significance of this resurrection power? Watch this. Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible says Jesus became sin. He took the sin of the world, the entire world, on himself. To the degree that the presence of God was cut off from him. Hence, he cried, Abba, 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 Father, why are thou forsaking me? God did not forsake him, but he was sin, spiritually dead, that he pre- was cut off from the presence of God. He was spiritually dead, in a sense. And because he was sin, he became sin and was dead, then he, he, he was... So he, he lost the life of God in a sense. Just say this technical. Just bear, bear with me because I'm trying to explain this technically, but I'm going somewhere. Because when a person is spiritually dead, they are no longer alive to God. They are alive to Satan. So Jesus, the Son of God, come from heaven, became sin, dead to God, spiritually dead, so that he can access hell for you. It was in the power, you know, it, it, it went, I don't want to use the word hell, but it was under the, the influence. It was alive to the devil and to demons, basically. Uh, if I will use the natural language, basically, then it was, it was captured, in a sense, in the, in the kingdom of darkness. That's what I'm looking for. Then it transitioned into the kingdom of darkness. Friends, nobody entered the kingdom of darkness and come back alive and come back. No, once you are in there, that's it. Once a person dies and they are not saved and they are gone, they are gone. You can't come out. And Jesus went there on your behalf. And Jesus defeated that, those demons, all of them. And he, he, he took the keys of life. Now watch this. When Jesus was on, before he, before he was, he was, persecuted before he died on the cross when jesus wants to raise a person from the dead no demon nothing can come nothing can stand his way nothing stands his way because the king of kings the lord of lords Colossians 1 16 tells us that all power in heaven authority is you know, no no they don't they, they can't stand him i'm talking about the significance of the resurrection power but when jesus was as an hell it was in their kingdom in their domain and it was going to be raised from the dead. Every, every demon and power in the universe resisted and contested with that power. Because it wasn't their domain. It wasn't their kingdom. God forbid people go into the wrong territory they ought not to go to. When people go into the territory they ought not to go to, right? You know, we've watched movies and that kind of stuff. Especially when some, when some people go into some hood in some dark areas. Every power and demon and force... And gags in gangs in that area will not let that person escape. And that's why when we watched a movie not too long ago, where you know when those guys fall into one kind of territory, the plane crashed into one territory, all of the bad guys in that territory were not gonna allow that plane to, to fly. They had to send some mercenaries to come. So what I'm trying to say, external force, external reinforcement, everything possible, and yet people still suffer casualty. 
But Jesus went to the kingdom of darkness and he came out on a hot untouched. He defeated all of them. In the movies you watch, you can't, you, except you use the angel of death, even if you use the angel of death, you can't, you can't obliterate all of the guys in their territory because your focus is on escaping. But Jesus defeated all of them. What I'm trying to say is this, there's no demon in this world that is powerful enough to defeat you in Christ Jesus because Jesus defeated all of them in hell. Praise the Lord. So there's so much significance about the, in the resurrection power. And the Bible says that you can't conceive these things with your natural mind. You've got to pray for revelation understanding. And that was a praying, prayer that Paul was saying to the Ephesian church. That, no, that, that your, the heights of your understanding. That you can see with the possibilities of your imagination. That you can walk in the reality of it. That it can, you can tap into it. That it becomes real to you. That it becomes your everyday living. You know, many, some, you know some people, right? All they imagine every day is evil. And that's a reality. But see, when, uh, there's, a, there's a verse of the Bible that says that you know, God was not impressed with humanity because all the imagination of his heart is evil. See, anyone who hijacks your imagination hijacks your life. And that's why we have to be very, very careful. We need to guard our heart. I'm also going to use the word imagination for your heart. Guard your heart, your imagination with everything you have. Imagine you wake up in the morning and the first imagination that comes to your mind is how you can do evil. I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not making things up. I have personal experience. You enter a place and the first imagination that comes to your mind is how to scheme. You know, you want to do something and the first imagination that comes to your mind is how to steal or how to, how to lie, how to cut corners. You're not in a good place. Then you are fighting not wanting to sin. So when we say don't keep some friends, we know what we're talking about because by association, if you keep some people, if you keep company with some people long enough, they begin to influence how you think, your imagination. The concepts you form, the images you form, the ideas you form in your mind will be according to the evil that is rubbing off on you based on your association with them. It's simple. And all of you can tell me there are people you have worked with, there are movies you have watched, that later on, your mind was trying to conceive some possibilities on that basis. Men who watch all manner of lustful movies. I've experienced this. Okay, I, my own was not even, I don't watch, I, okay, well, I think I saw a movie or somebody in my, at my work, someone at my workplace said something. Uh, I, I said to them that Christmas time, I'm going to be by myself at work. And this guy said, whoa, this is a good time to have um, a mistress. And I, could, I, and I felt straight away in my heart that this was a devil speaking to my heart. And a lady that was sitting around me like, was a Christian. She was quicker than me to speak. I was like, no, my brother is a Christian. She's not going to do that. And then I replied to the guy. I was able to gather my thoughts and replied to him. And uh, but I don't want to go into detail before, um, because of our time. <sighs> okay. So I asked him. And I felt someone is asking this question. How do you respond? So I asked him. I said, if you, because I know he was not born again. He was, he's not, he was not a Christian. He was not, he was not born again. I don't think he's a Christian yet. Because it's like, I need to say something. I can't just take it in and let it be. Hence, else, the seed is planted in my heart. And I said to him, I, I, because it's not born again, you know, quoting scriptures, they can't understand this. People who are spiritually dead cannot understand spiritual things. Take this as a lesson when it comes to evangelism and engaging your, people, your, your, your colleagues at work. I said, how would you feel if your girlfriend was seeing somebody else? He said, no, I don't feel good at all. So what makes you think it's good, it's okay for me who is married to have a mistress? 
Then he went quiet. And that's even a high-level summary of the conversation I had with him. And I killed that thing. But any which way, something was planted somewhere in your mind because your mind kind of, you know, uh, got something and imaginations come out of thoughts. Watch this. So I was, go I was attending this minister's conference and I was staying in a hotel by myself. Jolami was not able to go with me because she was writing exams at that time. And as I was approaching the hotel, the first thought, as I was approaching the hotel door, a picture that came to mind was, it would be good to have a mistress to spend the three nights with in that hotel. That Satan, you are mad. I was, I was shocked. When I got to my room, I said, is this what happens to men that they go to places and then they have a mistress with them for the... So they go to the minister's conference, they look spiritual, and they're back in the, in the hotel room with a prostitute or something. I was shocked. Because I've, I've, I've seen it in movies, but that it will ever attack me, that that imagination, that picture will ever attack me, I was shocked. And because I knew the devil was on my case, and that, so I was very, very cautious of what I do and how I do my stuff. I, I mean, I guarded myself. Conference, back home. Shut my door. No breakfast. I stayed in my room. When I'm done, out in the morning. Then when I was done, back, back home. Simple. Imagination. The enemy will try to, to throw pictures at you. Now, but don't empower him by feeding your mind with evil inspiration so that he will have something to work with when he wants to tempt you or bring you down. Amen. So the highs of your heart being enlightened. So talking about the power of Jesus, the, the resurrection power, that means that it is for us and our benefit. Some people get, okay, I've, I've said that earlier on. This great power of God is effectual only for those who believe. We must believe to receive, and if without, we will do without. The Bible says, let's go back to it. Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to, to, toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Friends, some people may pray in the name of Jesus and not see results. Don't use that to judge God's answers to your prayer. And when I say God's answers to your prayer, just permit me to use, permit me to use that word in this context. I will deal with it more in future. Don't use other people's results, spiritual results or, or none thereof to determine the reality of your own Christian life. People can tell you that they believe, but that doesn't mean they believe. Believe is a thing of the heart. It's not a thing of the lips. People can confess and confess and confess. Friends, don't be moved or carried away by people's exuberance or, that's not what I'm looking for, exuberance or demonstration, charisma, claiming that they believe. Many people who claim to believe don't believe. God alone sees the heart of people. So I have learned not to look at what, how a man of God is shouting, no matter how popular he is. I've learned to focus on what the word of God says and to keep checking with myself. Tunde, where is the state of your heart? Do you actually believe the word of God? So I tend to walk in reality, being honest with myself, not focusing on what people are doing out there or what they are not doing. Because you can never see the heart of a person. Only God sees the heart of a person. Friends, what's the reality of your heart with respect to faith in Christ Jesus determines your heartward reality. How much the word of God is real to you in your heart will determine what you experience in life. Amen. So ensure that your focus is on where you are in your heart with God, not what other people are saying or what they are claiming. Don't try to live on the faith of other people. If you know that 
you do your faith, you have not developed your faith to a point whereby you can believe God for healing, right? Even though paracetamol or going to see the doctors will work for you, go see the doctors. Don't keep shouting, I am healed in Jesus' name. When you know in your heart that you don't strongly believe that you are healed, and it's not doubt, it's just based on your level of faith or belief. Don't let anyone deceive you that you, someone needs to anoint you for bigger faith. It's a lie. I'll teach you more about that in the future. Be very real and honest with God. God is very simple to deal with. God is very simple to relate with. If anybody is teaching you the word of God in such a way that's so complicated that you cannot understand it, leave the place. God is very easy to understand. Amen. And don't try to go look for something that is complicated, something that is deep revelation. You are confusing yourself. The word of God is not confusing. The word of God is not, unto, is not meant to confuse you. It's to show you light. It's to, show, it's, to, it's to bring clarity to your life. So no one should teach you the word of God in such a way that it brings confusion into your life. It should be so clear and simple to relate with that you can use it every day of your life. Amen. Verse 21. I'll take 20, then 21. It said, Which he walked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. God did not only raise Jesus from the dead, that power did not only raise Jesus, Jesus from the dead, but also, raised, also seated him at God's right hand. Not like right hand, but place of authority. Chapter 2 of Ephesians, we'll get into it when I start showing you that the Bible tells us that God raised us to get down with Christ. So you occupy the place of authority with Christ Jesus. That power of God is at work inside of you and you occupy the place of authority with Christ Jesus. You are not a weak, helpless, non-entity. You are not. You are a child of God, loved by God. The power of God is at work on the inside of you. But if you don't give yourself to praying and studying and engaging your imagination to understand, to see the, 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 the potency of this power and what this power entails, you will not see it at work in your life. You've got to believe. You've got to see it. You've got to believe. See it in your spirit. Believe it in your spirit, in your heart. Believe it in your mind. Let me, that's a better word. Believe it in your mind, in your soul. Let your imagination be saturated with it. You, you, you form possibilities based on the depth of understanding you have about the resurrection power of God at work in you, in Christ Jesus. And you use it. Raise the dead. Heal the sick. Pray in tongues. Bless people. Amen. Verse 20, uh, 21 asks, Far above all principality and power, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Think about it, cancer. Name any demon. Name, name anything in this world. Name anything in this world. The resurrection power of God at work on the inside of you is superior to them. Because when that power raised Jesus from the dead, to God's right hand is not a place of possible victory. It's a place of complete victory in Christ Jesus. Com complete victory over all principality and power. Because the Bible tells us there that where Jesus occupies together with you is a place far above all principality, power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Amen. Verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. All of this is he did for you and me. All of this that God did for in Christ Jesus, resurrection for you and me. So you are not a second-class citizen. You are not one. You are not a. 
as a Christian, you are not a someone who that merely exists in the church. You are just there. You know, people, you know, pe- people have this kind of mindset. You know, people like us, we are just we are like slaves in the house of God. You know, we are, we don't really matter. We are just there. We just come to church. We 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 clean. You know, we are not significant. We don't really matter to God. So those men, those are, those men that preach, those are the men of God. Is a lie. Your responsibility in the church, or your your position, your physical position in the church. It's not the same as your spiritual position in Christ Jesus. Forget about it. Your physical position in the church, what you do in a local church, is not, is, not a, is not a resemblance or a reflection of your spiritual position in Christ Jesus. So don't equate your position in Christ Jesus and in God with you know, how people treat you in the church. Or what you do in the church. Because, because you drive the pastor does not make you inferior to the pastor in Christ Jesus. No! The pastor only has more responsibility than you do. Praise the Lord. So I can go on and on and on about it, but we, there's a lot to pray about. We're going to be praying about this on Friday. Uh, but the Bible says here that God, that God has put all things under, with that power, and put all things under his feet, under the feet of Jesus. And who is the... Uh, we are the body of Jesus. Jesus is the head. But we are the body. All demons and all powers, they are under his feet. So you are above every power, every, power, every principality. Nothing, can, nothing should be able to defeat you because God has given you victory in Christ Jesus. Amen. You are the head of Satan. Satan is inferior to you. You are a master over Satan. And we need to get this. Because when you understand that you're a master over Satan, do you, do you want to hear the truth? You, it gets to a point whereby you don't go for deliverance. If you think you are under a, de- a demonic attack, you deliver yourself. I repeat, I'm, I did not say that casually. I know what I mean. I've had some demonic attacks because I know that most of the churches around me that are because I've been to, I've been to some of them. I know they do not understand the they do not understand the authority I have in Christ Jesus. I didn't go to there for deliverance. For deliverance, I delivered myself standing on the word of God. I shared with the family yesterday, a lady, our uncle told her to come and meet me that we do so that I can fast with her for 21 days for deliverance. I said, me, me, fast with you, fast with you for 21 days to deal with demonic oppression that you have been going through for, for a couple of years. Myself, it will never happen. I said, I'm fasting next week for three days. You can join, right? We study the word, of, uh, we share the word of God for half an hour, I pray with you for half an hour. And after, on the third day, after the three days, the demonic attack and sickness she's been going through for years ended, you know, something used to pop up from the wall to attack her spiritually. After those three days, the thing popped out. She told the thing to go back. She had a dream one day, a, a huge snake showed up in her sleep. She cut, the head, she cut off the head of the snake. What are you talking about? Me, 21 days. Am I, am I all right? When I know what I carry. I want to deal with the devil. I'll not go on. Once, one, I'll go. It will never happen in my life that I went on 40 days fasting and prayer to deal with, de- with demonic situation. I will never do it. Write it down. I'd rather spend more time understanding what's available to me than going to pray and fast so that I can, I can defeat some, some silly generational curse. Which kind of curse? Let them show up. What, what, what do you mean by that? People, tell, people come here and say, you know what, all the curse of the Father's house. Don't bring that. Don't bring those things here. Do you, have you seen what the Bible says here? It said, no, no, just read it again. Time, my time is up. So I'm going to wait. You read these verses again for you to see what's available to you. When you begin to see, when the eyes of your heart has been enlightened and you begin to see these things, there's some prayers you don't say. People sometimes tell me, um, we need to pray about this, we need to pray about that, we need to pray against this person that may be doing you in your father's house, your mother's house. 
I said, really? You think I have time? I'll be praying against something that somebody is going to do somewhere. Where I, when I am the master of Satan, I am the master of Satan in Christ Jesus. And you're asking me to be praying against something that somebody is doing somewhere. somewhere. Me, the child of God. I must be very stupid. Dealing with one man or woman somewhere. One man. One man. When their head is under my feet, I must be stupid. For me to pray against one man or woman somewhere, I must be very stupid. When Satan is under my feet, I shut down with this. If anybody comes to you and says, somebody is doing you, go and pray. Don't respond. Rather, focus on understanding the power at work on the inside of you. And you see the result that ordinary people cannot get. Let's bow his prayer. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for helping us to see, to a degree, what is on the inside of us. The power we carry, the anointing that's work on the inside of us. And Lord, as we prepare ourselves to go deeper into this, understanding the depth, the depth of what you have given us in Christ Jesus, Lord, we pray that our heights of understanding will be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe, according to your working power, which will you use to raise Christ from the dead. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.